Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to another edition of Automotive Insiders presented by OESA, Original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host. Happy to be here. We've got two really, really savvy gentlemen in the automotive industry, and we're going to talk about some serious topics today. I'm very pleased to be here with Bill Newman at SAP and with Richard Sanchez at Capgemini. So rather than me reading your bios, which would take an entire show, gentlemen, because you both have so much experience, why don't I ask you to spend about two minutes? or three minutes telling us a little bit, or Bill, in your case, I think everybody knows you. Why don't you remind people who you are, what you do, and how you got started in automotive. Bill Newman, welcome. Hey, thanks, Bonnie. Good to be back with you again, and uh, hello, uh, OESA Automotive Insider listeners. So it's uh, Bill Newman, uh, 30, almost 35 <laughs> years now in the automotive industry, planes, trains, automobiles. I'm a manufacturing person. Uh, got started as uh, um, a skilled engineer and um, went through a number of large companies and a number of large programs where they were adopting uh, information technology. Um, you know, pretty soon uh, studies and life led me back to, uh, to Michigan. I was originally an airplane guy, said I'd never work on a car. And here we are back in Michigan 20 plus years later, uh, kind of walking, walking the halls of uh, automotive, formerly with Volkswagen. And uh, I've run a number of uh, practices across um, some large system integrators and uh, tier one consultancies, as well as uh, running my own business, which Bonnie, we worked with together for a number yes. of years. Yes, and I was, a, uh, I was <clears throat> an advocate for uh, SAP prior to joining. So it's great to be back with you and I'm excited for today's show. Thank you, Bill. One quick question before I introduce Richard Sanchez. Bill, is the future bright for automotive? We certainly hope so. What do you think? The future is extraordinarily bright for automotive and just wait until what you see uh, what the next generation or two brings. And uh, maybe we'll scratch into that in this show today. I think we will. Thank you. And Richard Sanchez, welcome. I'm so happy to meet you here. This is our first time speaking. And would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our global audience, Richard Sanchez? Sure, Bonnie. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me here. Uh, Richard Sanchez with Capgemini in the consulting side. I work in the supply chain practice. I've been doing this for, I guess, 18 years now. Um, started as an industrial engineer in my undergrad, thinking about uh, how to re-engineer and make things better. And then I got into do supply chain management. And since then, I uh, decided to go to grad school to know more. And, since, and after that, I had the chance to go to automotive and to kind of start a new plant and be in the supply chain person for one manufacturing side. But... Then consulting showed up and a young person wanted to go to consulting. And since then, it's been 18 years doing supply chain management consulting, specifically in manufacturing, which has been my passion. And, uh, and, and I have the, the honor to be able to work in this industry in few, with a few clients. And uh, so I guess I can describe myself as a manufacturing, aerospace and defense and automotive person. That's very interesting. Thank you, Richard. Richard, do you agree with Bill that the future is going to be very, very bright for automotive in general? 
Yes, I agree. I mean, we're seeing that, of course, we're going through a, through a difficult time, as everybody knows it, um, and few things have changed. And I think we need to be more, more, more ready to what is coming and more, more ready to anything or some uncertainty. But clearly, we have indication that the future is going to be great for automotive. I'm very happy to hear that, and so is everybody in our audience. And I know supply chain has been a great focus, a spotlight during a lot of the conversations about automotive restarting. Where do you get the parts? Who's doing the tooling? Where does everything come from if you want to make a car? I know that automotive, the factories were shut down for 45 days, an amazing fact that we will look back historically on and say, what? Seriously? But glad that they're starting up again. So happy to have both of you here. We've got some really serious questions to tackle here. Bill Newman, let me start you off with a topic. I love your topic headers, Bill. They're very dramatic. So I'm going to try and do a dramatic reading here. The deep, dark well, supply planning in a pandemic age of uncertainty, movie trailer coming soon. Bill Newman, great topic. Why don't you start us off, spend about three minutes, and then I will invite Richard Sanchez to chime in and see what his point of view is. Go ahead, Bill. Well, yeah, I mean, so just for listeners who are just joining into this conversation, so we've we've talked about this whole concept of supply chain and when the world wobbles. And, and today I'm really excited with Richard to go deeper into this topic and really get into some of what, what is changing, I think, fundamentally now in terms of how we look at, at running our business. So just to bring everybody up to speed and as, and as Bonnie, you would do, I'll do a timestamp. We're recording this today on September 23rd, 2020. Um, the, you know, based on the OESA uh, supplier barometer reports, and other sources, uh, we see that from a, a personnel and a capacity perspective that the automotive supply chain is back to work, um, probably between uh, 80, 85, maybe even higher up to 90% as we try to recapture, as you mentioned, Bonnie, almost three months worth of uh, yep. um, uh, down down volumes or, or in, in some cases, no volumes, which is kind of spectacular when you think about it. Um, so that's the good news. Um, uh, it's different. So we've kind of unleaned our processes. Uh, we, we have scrambled in some cases to make sure that critical suppliers are able to uh, ship and ship at volume and at quality, uh, which, which is, is keeping a lot of supply managers and, and uh, buyers awake, uh, particularly in the early stages. And, and I think generally speaking, um, the, the supply chain has responded brilliantly. Uh, I think uh, as we get into today's discussion, um, we're, you know, and I'm, I do want to talk a little bit more about supply chain visibility, which is very, very critical now. Also flexibility. So being able to um, make and ship products, not always necessarily where you want them to be. Um, and and this, this is whether it's a, a health, uh, health advisory or where you have to close a facility and reopen or shift production or have people work from home if you can uh, mm -hmm. to natural disasters. So we saw the Borg Warner plant decimated in Seneca and it was back up and running within uh, 60 days, I believe. So, I mean, that was pretty incredible. And how we go about doing that with that type of flexibility is really going to determine, you know, how we're able to continue and improve through the year. Through all of that, supply chain visibility and being able to see up, up the chain of your suppliers with, with accuracy and visibility and predictability is not just going to be a nice to have. It is going to be required 
so that you can take risk out of that process. And I think, Richard, this is a pretty good tee up for some of the comments that you and I discussed prior to the show. Thank you, Bill. Richard Sanchez, join me. What do you think? How deep dark is this? What, what's your perspective? I think uh, uh, I agree with what you're saying, Bill. I mean, uh, we are seeing that transparency goes across, and we've been talking about transparency for a while. But I think now more than ever, transparency plays a big role into what we want to your, our supply chains to be in, in the near, in the, what we call the, the, the restart to the new, uh, to adjust to the new long term. Um, I think the lessons learned of what we went through recently is that uh, we need to be able to readjust to what is to, to see what is going to happen again and be able to be better equipped for that. And transparency plays a big role on that one. I mean, transparency is, if we're talking about principles of collaboration, for instance, that involves some transparency among the different par- parts, parties. It would be my customers, my dealers, it would be my, 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 my tier one suppliers. Uh, we're talking about risk management. And in order to be able to assess our risk, we need to be to, have to, to make it transparent to our supply chain organization, right? Um, if we want to be able to, to, to have a full um, a scenario to determine what is the impact of a, of a drastic change in my demand or supply, we need to be able to have a, a, an agile system digitized to be able to provide that view. So transparency goes across all the things that we are recommending right now and, and, and uncovered that not everybody was able to have that, what they needed um, to be able to assess the damage or the potential risk that all the industries, of course, including automotive, went through recently. Thank you very much. I'm going to go back to Bill Newman. I want you to come on the screen because I have Bill. Just say hello again. Hi there. There you go. There you go. I have a reason for that. Bill, let's move to topic number two. This is really interesting. Now, moving beyond the wobble, you talked about the wobble, and I want you to redefine it just in case somebody didn't hear that original conversation I believe you had with Mike Latkovic at Capgemini a couple months ago. Seems like years ago, Bill. So your topic for this one is moving beyond the wobble, how automotive parts are learning to walk again. I love your movie quality headlines, Bill Newman. So Bill, talk to us, please. Yeah. So when, when we talk about the wobble, it was really that whole fits and starts of, of, the, uh, of the supply chain. So the material flow, not everybody, not everybody, not all automotive um, companies stopped uh, making parts. Uh, there were still 10 to 15% of the supply chain that were deemed essential. So uh, food, agriculture, uh, off-road construction, um, uh, some spare parts that, that roll up into those. Um, so they never stopped making parts. They may have had to close some facilities uh, and, and do some cleaning and uh, send some people home and get tested, uh, but they've been running. And then there were others based upon local municipalities and rules across uh, generally North America where um, certain areas of the business, certain geographies didn't stop working. Certain companies may have taken a break. And then, of course, there were other companies and locations altogether that had to um, closed because they were not deemed as uh, um, as essential. So, so that's the wobble, you know, basically the fits and starts of coming back, you're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, and trying to balance all of that out um, as we're talking about with a, with a demand-driven signal so that you can plan what you're making based on priorities is, is really critical. And I think, the, again, the good news is, is that the OEMs have been very hands-on with this. Um, They have made some key decisions in terms of what platform programs, particularly in the light passenger vehicle space, 
um, that we're going to continue. So we have new product releases coming up right now. I mean, as we're recording this, the new, the new model years for certain vehicle platforms are coming out. Here we are at the end of September. Um, and so uh, being able to adjust for those and putting some on hold and frankly, making some big bets and decisions and getting all the suppliers the transparency they needed um, to adjust production uh, as well as for uh, spare parts. Um, so that, that again is the good news. This is not an easy thing to do. And in a lot of cases, OEMs had to be very hands-on beyond just sending EDI signals. Uh, for those of you who are new to the vocabulary, electronic data interchange, or basically your, your, um, basically your manufacturer reports and your shipper notices and, you know, your, your demand, uh, your buy signals. So, uh, they've had to really sit down in virtual conferences, much like we're having today, and, and have deep discussions and plan it out because, you know, suppliers on their side, they're planning for certain margins, they're planning for certain um, commodity buys if they're not already getting that material from the supply, uh, OEM. And they're having to basically do a complete replanning. And based on what we've heard from several large OEMs, um, they, they literally were doing week to week replanning as we were exiting the lockdown, which is really extraordinary, A, that it happened, and B, that we were able to pull it off. Um, so again, hats off to all the leaders out there who had many sites and uh, probably didn't get to see their families uh, very much over that 30 days we were all coming back to work. So that's what I meant with you know how we're coming out of this and parts are learning to walk again. Some parts were put on the shelf, said, hey, you need to stay there for a little bit. We're not ready for you yet. Um, we'll come back to you. and. And as things start to even out, that's what we'll begin to see. Thank you, Bill. And part of what I heard you say was new models are coming out. Can you? I know imagine? that excites you so much. Yeah. Isn't that? Isn't and I will tell you that the the car I've been driving model for off and on for I've five. I won't tell you what the model is, but five of them. And I finally moved to the convertible a couple of years ago. <laughs> And I just discovered that the the maker of this car, which I adore, stopped the convertible as of 2019, and it will cost me two and a half times the sticker price if I want to buy a used 2019 in that model. So I'm taking really good care of the one I have. Richard For Sanchez, sure. we want to get you back and talk about this topic. Bill just started moving beyond the wobble. What do you think about automotive parts learning to quote unquote walk, drive, move, stride again, the mobility factor? Richard, join me, please. Yes. So um, absolutely. So but uh, one of the things that, that Bill mentioned that uh, that is worth it to, to talk about here is that, uh, it, to, to his point, it's great to see that the, the OEMs um, work hard to be able to to, uh, to, identify, to understand what was happening and be able to react to that. Of course, maybe not all of them were, as, as many other ones, most of the people weren't ready to, to really uh, be able to, to tackle what was happening. But yes, seeing that platforms are going to continue, new new product releases. I mean, one of the things that really happened uh, in our supply chains that has the biggest impact was the consumer behavior, right? And and in order to be able to, uh, and that is going to drive, that has been driving all the changes that we're seeing. That's driving what kind of cars we're, we're making, what releases we're having, which platforms are continuing or which ones are not, right? So uh, at the same time, we also saw that on the other side of the spectrum of the supply chain, we saw that all the impact uh, on on our suppliers. And then in the middle of the supply chain, which is always where everything happens for us, uh, is where all those physical forces were happening, not parts, changing demands, how can we act, what tools do we have in place to be able to, to make the right decisions given the situation. And that's what kind of happened in the last, 
I guess, I can say that couple of months when we were trying to to really recover from this, and and and, and the and the point of Bill in many cases he was trying to establish what we call the sales and operation execution to be able to talk to 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 to, to my suppliers and to my customers to be able to see okay what is happening, how can we start putting a plan together that is going to benefit both parties, right? Uh, and we saw all that happening and being able to say, yes, we are walking and we're starting to, to see that, Bill. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that, we, that it's time now, even before, to start thinking about how really I'm going to restart and how I'm, I'm really going to readjust to my new long-term. The same way that we are in our homes I have taken some measures that we maybe didn't think of doing that a few months ago and we are buying more things on, online than before and things like that. Mm-hmm. I think every industry is going to be able to adjust to things that are now are going to be more common or going to be normal. And, how, and the supply chains are part of that as well. And now, at the same time that I need some tools to be able to, to get more exposed to the outside, for instance, at the same time, now I need my supply chain to be able to have better data and more visibility to be able to make better decisions. And I think that's something that we've been advising clients in the, in the last few weeks. In fact, um, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to a client, which a tier two, tier one, tier two supplier, I was asking us, well, we produce is a product that no, we don't have that many competitors. Um, we're supplying to OEMs, we're supplying to, to, to tier ones. Um, I, we believe that we can work better with them. And I think we're in the right position right now to start establishing those key principles. And, uh, and we were in a series of workshops to be able to identify what they need to do to start doing that. So that's an example of we are seeing tier two, tier two, tier one suppliers to start thinking about that and goes beyond your point of that's the same, simple EDI. That, that is something that has been happening. That's, that was for me the beginning years ago. But now we need to think about what is next and how it's going to look like my supply chain and how can supply chains work together in the next eight to 12 months. Um, and that is going to involve uh, digitalization in my supply chain, that is going to involve collaboration in my processes, and that is going to involve transparency on, on my data and also tools that are going to allow me to make decisions fast and being able to model what my own reality. Thank you, Richard. Good. Bill, anything you want to say back to Richard? Good points from both of you. No, I, th- I think that, you know, one of the key points there is this, this idea of being able to, um, um, I think the implied perspective is, is to be able to source a little bit more uh, locally. I think that's where we kind of call it you know, design anywhere, source anywhere, build, manufacture anywhere, service anywhere. Uh, really, at the end of the day, now that mobility has been reduced, I'm talking about people moving around and getting on airplanes, you know, even though freight is still shipping, um, there's still this um, desire, I think, and, and I think we're going to get into it in a, in a moment, um, to, to keep content um, somewhat um, maybe at a higher level reshored because there's risk in terms of putting things on a boat and sailing it across an ocean. Um, so the timeliness and the predictability um, is not there as it was a year, 18 months ago. And I think that that's really important. And most decision makers in supply chain and procurement that we speak to, they're just not ready to take that, that portfolio of, um, of parts, traveled parts on, at least at the levels that they were, again, 12, 18 months ago. 
Thank you very much. I have one more topic for both of you gentlemen, and let's see if we can spend a couple minutes on this. It's called the near-term isolationism, new trade pacts, and tariff wars. Bill Newman, briefly, what's your point of view on this? What's your perspective, Bill? Well, well, I think that there's some really great news just to kind of build on what we were just talking about. So I I do think that there is a bit of a reshoring movement. Uh, I, I, I hesitate to use the word isolationism, but, you know, they're there, there, again, there is an interest to do more locally build, locally sourcing. Um, coming into this program, we just learned that uh, the, uh, the, the tariffs on aluminum that uh, were being um, positioned uh, between the United States and Canada has, has been, uh, there have been agreements in terms of some quotas. So that's, that's really wonderful news. Uh, particularly as it relates to um, next generation aluminum and, and, and high strength aluminum alloys. Um, I think the big news since we were together last is that the USMCA, the United States, Mexico, Canada agreement, or what some people call NAFTA 2.0 is now in full effect as of one July. Um, that's going to have certain um, traceability uh, requirements to suppliers um, those those requirements will need to be certified to the OE level. Um, I think the uh, rules of origin and content value are somewhere on the order of 75% for light vehicle and 70% for commercial vehicle. So that means that how you build and what you build and the parts you use have to be at those levels inside of, of, of the US, Canada and Mexico. Um, we're still working with customers to understand enforcement on that. Uh, but again, you know, kind of as we work our way through um, kind of the next normal, um, that's going to be the way we're at least going to operate inside of North America for light passenger and commercial vehicles. And, um, and there's a lot of conversations about, you know, what does that mean as we um, work our way through the pandemic recovery and into, you know, the next normal. Thank you. I always debate with people on the next normal, the ab- next abnormal, the next whatever. Richard Sanchez, would you please comment on this part moving beyond the, well, I'm sorry, we're on the near term, isolationism, new trade pacts and tariff wars. What's your POV on this, Mr. Sanchez? Go ahead. I agree with what Bill is saying. I think that one of the key things that we've been talking to clients for a while now is that traceability is it's also a key thing. And again, going back to, to transparency and being able, where are you sorting your parts and where is everything coming from? And, and be able to, to see that now the origin is not longer to, to buy at the right price, but who are you sourcing from? And that's something that, uh, that I know there's a lot of uh, technology um, offerings now that, that allow us to, to be able to see that origin and, and make sure that <clears throat> we are considering that as part of how we are dealing with our suppliers. So uh, agreeing all those comments, I think uh, uh, that's gonna be more on the, be able to comply to 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 the origin and things that we need to, to, to determine it and how to trace and be able to make more transparent our, our supply chain um, trader trades, I guess. Thank you very much. Good conversation around. I have to do a little promo here. Guess what's coming up in November? November 9th through the 11th is the journey back to the future. It's the OESA 2020 Automotive Supplier Conference. And this year it will be virtual. 
surprise, surprise. If you want information, mm-hmm. go to oesa.org. Thank you, Bill Newman. Always a pleasure to see you, to hear you, and I always learn so much from you. Richard Sanchez at Capgemini, it's a real pleasure to meet you. Hope you'll come back and talk to us again. Everybody wave goodbye. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and thank you to Adam Slayman for putting this together at OESA. Everybody be safe, be smart, be savvy, be well. We'll talk again soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.